0: And getting cut from that team at the time was more devastating to me than, or just as devastating to me than when I broke my neck. Because again, I got that athlete identity ripped away. Well, you're not a captain. You're not going to be a two-time Paralympian. You're not going to go to Rio. um, You don't get to finish what you had just started um, way back in December of 2008. And it was devastating. But it was also the most important fork in the road that I've had in my life as a husband, as a father, as an athlete, as a leader, as a speaker, because through that, um, I still had to go back to training camp and have the same character and make that team better as an alternate. I I had to be a leader without the leadership title. A lot of people are waiting around for titles. Now you don't need to wait around for a title. Like you have your gifting inside of you already. Go and do it. are now tuning in to the Next podcast with your host cole nixon much love
1: Thank you for tuning in to the yet another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. I am your host, Cole Nixon. I try to bring on and interview successful people in the world of business, entrepreneurship, athletics, and coaching every week to share their stories and the lessons that they have learned. If you haven't already, be sure to head over to Instagram and follow us at Roughnecks Podcast and Twitter at Roughnecks Pod C1. We are also on Facebook at Roughnecks Podcast. Be sure to grab the bull by the horns, but let's get into this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Roughnecks podcast. This is episode 34 and our first episode where we will be discussing the topic of adversity. Um, I'm excited for this month. This month is going to have some really good episodes because adversity really talks about a lot there's a lot of great stories that come from adversity and people powering through them and i have a great guest to discuss this topic this week and i'm super excited to get into it so let's just dive right into it welcome to Rough the Next podcast joe delagrave
0: hey man thanks for having me not a problem beyond man the episode 34 let's do this
1: yeah i uh, i actually met you well i put met in quotes because right it, but uh through this new networking social media app i think it's newer at least it's new to me um it's called um i almost forgot, I forgot the name clubhouse actually yeah, clubhouse. yeah there yeah, we yeah. go and i just want to say for a side note if you're like a podcaster content creator really anything it i definitely recommend clubhouse because it's a great connection app and you never know who you're going to run into it's crazy because it, it, i my professor got me on it and i got on and was like i think i met you like the second day i was on it and i was like all right i'm in love i like this already yeah, but yeah. um just to get the episode started tell the roughnecks listeners a little bit who you are and i was going to listen to a few podcasts that you've been on to hear your story but i wanted to hear it firsthand and kind of go off that and base the conversation off that so just tell us who you are to start absolutely man well um sure that's listening my name's joe delagrave and i'm a
0: I'm a father and a husband, first and foremost, a husband to April, um, a father to my three kids who are nine, uh, seven and five, Raxon, Braden and Brindley. I'm a Paralympic wheelchair rugby player uh, and a keynote speaker. And so those are my main hats that I wear um, throughout the days and weeks and months. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah.
1: So we're going to start. I'm going to we're going to kind of just walk through the story of yours because from the sounds of it, you have an incredible story. You've been through a lot and powered through a lot. Originally, we'll start here though. You went to play football originally in college, correct?
0: I did. I did. Yeah. So um, growing up, I I loved sports and I loved to be a part of a team. Um, Number one, because you get, you get built in affirmation from a team and that, you know, I learned later in life that that was a huge love language of mine, affirmation. So, but you get that that constant feedback, whether it's constructive criticism or praise or whatever it would be. And so, um, and, and my biggest goal in high school is to just play a college sport. I I didn't matter if it's D3, D2, of course, you know, everyone wants to play D1, whatever, but ended up playing D2, um, for Winona state university, which is in Winona, Minnesota, um, played as a tight end there. And yeah, it was just, uh, love and life freshman year played as a true freshman. Um, my, my, uh, my first freshman football practice uh, in college was a complete like you know you, you want to make a good first impression, right? It was the opposite of a good impression. It was it was I was lined up playing seven on seven drills, doing doing my thing, right? And you know, get all the offensive and defensive linemen out of there and get the athletes in there. Just kidding. I'm sure someone's gonna be mad about that one, but that's fine. Um no, and, and, and so we're playing seven-on-seven seven drills. So we're lined up. Tight ends are lined up against um, against linebackers, and I don't know. Were you a linebacker? No, I was a safety. Okay, all right. You got that linebacker hair though. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. But I, I was lined up. I was a freshman. I, I'm 18. I I just left my parents' house, like, and across the the field from me playing defense is a as a guy named Derek Seek. He was a fifth year senior two-time all American dude, like long hair and just that picturesque linebacker that is like I'm not gonna think at all on the field. I'm just gonna do. And like you know, you get a little drool running down the fade, that's the whole thing. And um and so I'm like what well, I, I just got you yeah, know, I got an easy five yard in route. I'm gonna be good to go. Right. And um so I do my five yards, cut in, catch the ball. And I like I remember kind of thinking to myself like hell yeah, that's you know we're absolutely and he had just been waiting for me to catch the ball, comes up, absolutely depletes me, ball bounces out, um, And I'm laying there just going like, I am, this is awful. The offensive uh, team's like, man, get up, show them you're not hurt, you know, and, and, and defense is just cheering on like you were. And I get up and, man, I'm like seeing Tweety Birds. I probably got concussed. <laughs> uh, and, and I go to back to our huddle because I'm trying to jog back like, oh, I'm not hurt, I'm not hurt. Well, I went to the defensive huddle. Like Derek and the defense were like bro you got to go over there like it was the worst (laughs) first impression Um, but uh, thankfully had a good camp and played as a true freshman and um, and and that whole year was great man like that whole year my identity was wrapped up into being um, an athlete and and playing college football and and then um, that's when the story kind of kind of goes a different route.
1: Well, if you got that welcome to college football moment, because I think every freshman has that moment and they can almost pinpoint exactly what it is. And so I mean, true. my big one was the first game we had and it was a night game. First time we've had a night game and I don't know how long and very first game and I'm on kickoff return and I get my drop and I go to block and I just get leveled. And I was just like, all right, this is college football. Like, yeah, all right, this yeah. is how it's going to be. But Exactly. Yeah, that, everybody gets that wake up call because, you know, people, even D3, people are like, oh, it's D3. Like, uh, there's still like, doesn't matter what division you go, there's still a lot of great athletes there.
0: 100%. And every single, every single one of them is, uh, is committed, right? Like mm-hmm. in high school, you know, oh, I'm just off the team, whatever, but college is no joke for sure.
1: I've always said that college football is like a full-time job or college sports in general. It's like, you have, it's like, it's worse than a nine to five is what some people I've talked to said. It's, it's a crazy, I mean, you're trained. I mean, you, you still know what it's like when you're training for a sport and like, you're just constantly doing something with that sport. Yep. Yep. So, and then you had the accident. Take us through what exactly happened.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, what happened is in between my freshman and sophomore years, I go back home, like most freshmen do, you go back home to your hometown, get a job, whatever. So that's what I did. I had, I had an amazing job with the city. I just I just drove a truck around and and hung out. And then uh, my best friend Kyle got a job with the city too. Um, I was with the parks and rec department, so I just drove truck around, check chlorine levels, river levels. We we grew up right on the Mississippi River that borders I Wisconsin and Iowa and and he got the weed whacking job. So he had to do eight hours of this trimming bushes and all that crap. It was awful. Man. I just drove <laughs> by him all the time, making fun of him, the whole thing, like, you know, and <laughs> doing this thing. It was a terrible job for him. But on the weekends, we'd always jump out on the boat and uh, knee board and fish or whatever. And you grew up on the, on a, on, in a river town, you're always out on the river or, or at least, you know, a couple of times a month or whatever it would be. And so most weekends during that summer, we're, we're out uh, hanging out and on the, on the river and um, we're in a deep, we're in a, a back slough, Um, so just in the back where the water's a little bit more calmer than the main channel. So we can kneeboard a little bit more efficiently and all that good stuff. And, and so that day, uh, July 10th, 2004, Adam is my other best friend growing up, growing up, uh, in the same town on Ohio street, in Prairie Street, Wisconsin. Adam is kneeboarding. Kyle's driving the boat. I'm chilling with my hands behind my head enjoying the day sitting in that pole bass fishing chair, um, seat and just chilling kyle accidentally hits the bottom of the river and i fly backwards hit my head on the front of the boat inside the boat and break my neck at the c6 and seven level on impact um and so in a split second i go from six, six 260 pounds being you know my identity wrapped up in in being a football player to something's terribly wrong and i didn't know it at the time obviously i'm thinking oh obviously i'm injured i'm in a lot of pain and But I don't think um, about paralysis or permanency or, um, you know, I'm thinking, we got, we got camp in a month, I get geared up to be back at camp and um, fight for that starting position and, and remember going from our, our boat to the rescue boat to the ambulance into the hospital, where they started kind of explaining what was going on. And they did some tests and, and said, Joe, you've had a spinal cord injury. And I'm like, What what? okay and they're like hey we got a helicopter you up to the local regional hospital where they can have the surgeons there to take to to take you to surgery fuse your neck um and go from there so that was kind of like the blur of that day a couple days later you know i'm coming to and and remember things and just remember the doctors coming in my parents were in the room and the doctor's like you know joe you had a spinal cord injury you had five hours of surgery, refused you in the C6 and seven level. And we um, should be good to go. But, and I'm like, doctor, what, what's this mean for me? What's going on? And he goes, Joe, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you, you, you're you not gonna walk again. You got like a 3% chance of ever walking again. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and a, a, at the moment I'm like, screw you. Like th- there's no way, right? You, and, and you feel invincible at that age. At 19 years old, you feel invincible, but you, you also have questions swirling around in your head. Like, am I gonna find a job that I love and that's that that that's you know, pa- I'm passionate about and have purpose in and finding that, you know, is this girl that I'm with right now gonna stay with me? Am I gonna have kids? Am I gonna find a I'm gonna finish school? Like all this, all these questions swirling around. And you know, for me, one of them too is just like why God? Like I'm angry at God for putting me in this situation. I'm angry at um you know a little bit at Kyle too if I'm being honest like you know, and, and I'm just kind of of going like, this is, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't my fault. And, um, you know, what's going to happen. And I had these, you know, those questions kind of swirling in my head, you know, my mom's even asking the doctors if like, Hey, uh, is this is my, is my boy going to be able to have sex? I need grandkids. And I'm like, mom, get the hell out of my room. (laughs) You know, no one, no one wants to talk. Yeah. No No one wants to hear that when you're talking to the doctors. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I had to kick her out and then talk to the doctor and be like, Hey, what's the deal with this? Is this, this thing going to work or what. And uh, so that was, that was the gravity of the situation where you you, you, you go from, you know, entering your room and you're looking over most people and um, loving life and living out kind of your goal and dream that you had in high school. And all of a sudden it's gone.
1: What was your mindset at that time? Because like, I feel like, I mean, I know, I didn't have as bad of an injury as you. I broke my elbow in my senior year of football. And you know, I did the same thing when the doctor's like, Oh, you're not going to play the rest of the season. And I said, But like, I literally looked at him and I said, you, you, Are you sure? Like, are, are you want to bet? Like, you'd never believe it. Like, you're that young kid. You're like, I, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. But like, I know once it kind of hit me, like, Wow, I, I'm not playing or like, and stuff's not going the way I want it to. Like, what was your mindset? Did you, were you in a, slump like I, I mean I feel like you had to have almost gone in a slump for a little bit
0: yeah man so like it's 100 it like it's it's not all I'm a pretty positive guy but it's not all rainbows and butterflies type of thing um at that at that time I was confused and uh, didn't understand why and trying to like have a good attitude but at the same time like I said I'm angry I'm mad I'm sad I'm like and and, and then can feel like what what's the purpose in this like why do I have to be in this wheel and 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 I remember just being in my bedroom, and just man, like, I'm not my bedroom, I'm in the hospital room, and and laying in that bed, and I could barely move anything at that point. I may, I may move my right arm a little bit. Um, everything else was paralyzed. So physically, obviously stuck and paralyzed. But but the other thing is just mentally feeling trapped, spiritually feeling trapped. Like everything was just, I'm in this bed and I can't get out. and There's no way out of this. And that's kind of you know I'm, I'm looking at my toe just sending the signal down through my spinal cord like you do when I'm you know moving my hands right now and you don't even think about it and it's like like make uh, just show me a sign like anything wiggle a toe whatever like anything to to let me know it's okay and it's it's a weird deal man like you know and and I don't know how much your audience is a like believer in God or whatever and they don't have to be but like I am and so that's part of my story and a Week from accident, um, I got this Bible verse that was really weird. I was on a Dom Beebe House of Speed uh camp shirt. I don't know if you remember Dom Beebe or not a little before your time, but Buffalo Bills receiver won a Super Bowl with the Packers, um, little white dude. He was like West Welker and and mm-hmm. Julian, yeah, that before they were. Um, and he had this, he lived in Wisconsin, had this camp, but I got the shirt from my kicker uh freshman year when I forgot my shirt underneath my pads to our game. And I'm like, does anyone got a shirt? Like, I don't want to chafe under there. I'm not going raw dog on that thing. No way. Um, And so the kicker's like, here you go, Joe. Cause they all made fun of me. I was like a cheeseburger away from being a tackle. Like looking back, <laughs> like my broken neck probably saved me for having to play on the offensive line. But, uh, but uh, it's, you know, so they gave me that shirt and, and as a joke, I'm like, I'm not giving that thing back. And a week from accident on July 3rd, um, I was wearing it in this camp. I was, I was working a basketball camp at my local, school uh and in, in my hometown and dude's like what's that bible verse saying i'm like i don't know like what are, like and and he's like oh proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path." and for me like i was just angry I, I looked at that and i'm like no like I, I remember coming to um with the accident and remembering that verse then my sisters kind of wrote it on some cute little pinterest etsy thing like girls do and thrown on the wall and I just I, I wanted to like take it down I'm like no way like I'm so angry and so mad at what what's going on and there's like there's no way um and so that that was the mindset right away is this sucks I'm angry I want I want questions answered and I want to know if there's a way forward you know people tell me in, in nurses in the hospital like you're gonna have to stick a catheter in your in your penis every day five or six times a day and you're at 19 you go what
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah no
0: I'm not doing that there's no way Uh, but that's like, that's the real thing, man. I like to be vulnerable. So I know like that's a little graphic, but at the same time, like that's the thing in this, it's not just a wheelchair, it's other stuff. It's like figuring out how to poop when you're paralyzed, figuring out how to calf. And so pee gets out of your, your, your bladder. And, um, and it's a lot of overwhelming things. And that's what I was, was just overwhelmed, um, with that. But I will say on a side note with that is that, you know, I never took a depression medication I still haven't, um, and I think what helped me along this path was the people in my circle. Uh, it's really, really important to have people in your life to speak into your life and be there for you, whether it's to lift you up when you need it or pull you back when you need it, and for me, um, that was my, my now wife, April. She was my girlfriend at the time um, and stayed with me in the hospital 89 straight days. I had people, really close friends at Winona State, um, some guys and girls up there that were 100% like they instead of going out uh, on Saturday night and going to the you know whatever we do on saturday nights in college right and and going and partying whatever like they, they hey let's call joe let's let's talk to him or let's go down to like, you know half hour 40 minute drive and go see me on the weekends instead of um doing what uh, what what we like to do in college and and you know my parents and my football teammates in college and in my my so a lot of my classmates in high school and just so many overwhelming people coming in saying it's gonna be okay, saying you can get through this. Um, you know, being able to talk to people through that. And so for me, it was so important. Um, you know, I've I'm I'm proud of the things that I've accomplished, but I wouldn't do it without that circle of people that are gonna, gonna say, you know what, like Joe, get your button gear, you gotta get to therapy or Joe, you know what? Like, hey, man, maybe we should just keep it. uh, Let's just talk or whatever it would be. But that inner circle is really important in anyone's life. Um, Because when they go through something, which we all go through something, it might not be a wheelchair, but we all go through stuff. Um, We all go through adversity, like your theme is this month. And when you hit that rough patch, the people inside your boat when you're going through that are going to be the people that help you make it or break it.
1: And you need those people in your life. They are like your biggest supporters. They, and that's when you when you go through a tough time in life, I feel like you know uh, I mean I can think of every tough time that I've gone through who's there. and those are your re- those are the real people in your life. Yeah. And it's usually the, the, you might, these might not even be people that you talk to every day. but when like you're going through a difficult time, they're like the first people there. and it's crazy because that's when you really find out who your true friends are, who your fam- like, who those friends that are family, like who they are. No,
0: absolutely, man.
1: So what was it? When did the mentality then start to change? And when you like, I got, well, first off, how long was the rehabilitation? Like, how long did that all take? I mean, it's, it's like, it's like almost two years, you know, like it's,
0: it's three months in the hospital and then I get home and I move back in with mom and dad, which is like every 19 year old kid's dream. Right. Yeah. And, And now that I have kids, like, I'm sure my parents were too thrilled either uh, have me back, but, uh, and then going to ther- outpatient therapy for occupational therapy and physical therapy and just trying to get stuff back, like trying to, and I remember like kind of going, okay, I'm paralyzed, but like, let me do as much as I can with my ability to be able to try to walk again. You know, like a lot of people are like that end up walking from paralysis. And they're like, well, I worked hard. And I'm like, well, okay, that, and there's just some stuff, either healing or what, like whatever happened it wasn't, there's a lot of us in wheelchairs that work their, their asses mm-hmm. off to try to, to get to where they're trying to get. And, and it doesn't happen. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't there for them. Not because they were lazy or anything like that, but, um, but, but it kind of so, slowly switched when I realized like Joe, the football player, Joe, the, the, the six, 260 pound dude can't get through this by himself because I think as men, we try to like, man, we try to do it all ourselves. I mean, we pride ourselves on it, man. We are like, you know what, when we mow the grass, we're, we get all puffed up. We're like, yeah, we just mowed that grass. We own that, you know? And, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, like for sometimes I'll take the trash out and I want my wife to give me a trophy. Like that's <laughs> as men, we're just like, man, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to get greased up. Uh, we're a muscle up and we're going to, you know, and, and then we're, we're looking for the affirmation around from, you know, girlfriend or a wife or anyone that will tell us, pat us on the back everything. But I realized I cannot, I, I couldn't do it by myself because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why this was happening. And so for me, that was when it was like, I need to trust that God has a plan for my life. Um, so when I started to do that, I go, you know what? I get a choice in this. I can get out of, I can get in this wheelchair and figure out life and moving forward i remember a a really sobering time in the hospital um it was getting close to where everyone was going back to college and you know all the way through the summer from july 10th all the way through the end of august everyone had you know came and and supported me and whatever and and so when I'm laying in that hospital bed and people slowly start leaving and, and saying, Hey, Joe, we'll see you uh, at break, at fall break, or we'll see you when we can, but we're going back to school. And life was moving on and I was just stuck. And I'm like, if I if I if I don't try to press forward, if I don't try to, you know, trust in what God has, but at the same time like take some personal responsibility and get out of bed and start living life, then life's just gonna pass me by. There's a lot of people like not even, and not, not even being in a hospital room or not even being paralyzed. There's a lot of people that sit on the sidelines and wait for their opportunity or wait for um, something to come along that seems right. Um, even though inside of themselves, they know what they're called to do. They know uh, what their purpose is or where their passion is and trying to find that passion and purpose intersect. They know it, yet they still sit on the sidelines. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get in this wheelchair. And for, and first before that, you know, it was, it was like, all right, I'm gonna get in spiel wheelchair, but I was completely dependent on other people helping me cath helping me um, with my, with, with bowel programs. I was like, what the hell is a bowel program? And, you know, telling me about all that stuff and and figuring that out and, 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 you know, helping me get dressed, but I'm 19. Like I don't want to shower with some other, like weird lady, like washing my body. Like mm-hmm. I want to figure this out, you know? And so it was slowly starting to make choices to, uh, come to, but I had a struggle uh, mentally that I, a hurdle that I didn't get over for about a year and a half, two years of being in a wheelchair, being a man with a disability, taking pictures in my wheelchair, um, being out in public in my wheelchair. But again, I had people around me that would, hey, let's go play poker at the local um, whatever club, and uh, you know, or let's go to the American Legion and, and hang out, or let's go to carry whatever. Like people would come to my house, literally drag me out of the house, like let's go do something and. And so that was amazing to do because it, it took it ripped the bandaid off and, um, and and made me realize that, you know, it, you can sit on the sidelines and life passes you by or you can start making choices to get up and do um, where do things that that align with your passion and purpose.
1: And those opportunities are never just going to appear. That's one thing that. I've slowly started to learn. I mean, I'm only 22 right now and I've slowly started like, and I've listened to other people who have done great things. And those opportunities are not just going to come out of nowhere. You have to make your own opportunities. You, you have to go out and get it. Otherwise you're, you are just going to sit there and watch yes. everything just pass by.
0: Yes. I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, people, Yeah. You know, first of all, if people listen to people too much. Like if I listen to you know, someone said, "If I when, when I first was like, hey, I want to be uh, on Team USA and make the make the rugby team." And they're like, "Dude, you're, you're, I mean, no way! Like you're completely out of shape. There's no like whatever." And and no, like it, I, no, this is this is what I want. This is my goal. And now I need to align my behaviors and actions up with this goal. And you're absolutely right, dude. I mean, you're crushing it at 22 years old. You're like, I'm just gonna making this podcast for a, a class, and all of a sudden it's ballooned up into something amazing. And it's because you said, you know what? Let me just take a step. Another step. Everyone's like, oh, I, I can't take a leap of faith. It's too dangerous. No, it's not. It's just a step. You're not jumping out of an airplane. You're just taking a step toward what you want to do um, and what your purpose to do. And and it's amazing, dude. It's it's great to see young guys like you just saying, saying let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll with it. If you fail, everyone thinks failure is some big deal. No, if you fail, then you get a choice again to... Um, Choose to listen to that those thoughts of like oh you're you're less than you're not enough you're you're a failure you're a loser uh, you're not going to be successful or is it all right I had a setback let's choose victory still let's choose um, to find uh, look in the mirror have some personal responsibility and keep charging ahead
1: yeah and those like those steps they don't have to be these big giant steps like it could be the littlest things when I first started this podcast I was doing people that I knew very well and that I could easily get. And then, like, I started taking those chances, you know, all right, I'll DM this person. I'll message this person. Man, I DM people all the time who never respond or even just say no. Doesn't. All right. You move on with your day, whatever. Yeah. And like the thing is, too, I've talked about this multiple times on this podcast. This is not my first podcast. This is my second attempt at a podcast. Like I (laughs) I failed on my first podcast and it's okay to fail because guess what? I learned a lot from that failure. Those failures will teach you more than your successes ever will. Yes, 100 percent. But you went on and now you're wheelchair rugby. How did you get started into the wheelchair rugby?
0: Yeah. So that yeah, year and a half, two years, um, a year at home. And in that process at a year at home, I'm what my mom was taking care of me for the most part, helping me shower all this. I mean, way too like, and it, bless her heart for doing it, but it was just the struggle. We fought a lot, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that I probably took on her that I'm not, um, proud of at all. But you, you know, you you back and forth she's got this son that's 19 and in a wheelchair and now she's taking care of him and i'm just like this sucks like you feel like the smallest person on the planet when yet your mom has to take care of you and you're 19 years old and so i'd broken up with april for a little bit um not a smart choice but it ended up being (laughs) a smart and and but I, i you know like there's another girl and i was trying to figure out like who i was in a wheelchair and i don't know if i love april as much she loves me or whatever it would be and um and realized very quickly that that was a big mistake and (laughs) went pursuing her after that
1: well you're at you're also at that like weird point in life where you're still young trying to figure things out and then you add this on top of it and it's just a big like trying to figure a lot out all at once Yeah,
0: yeah so we ended up um we ended up getting engaged when we were 20 married when we were 22 Um, and so we've been married for almost 14 years now, which is crazy. But anyway, um, so her, and then, and and the reason I said that is because at that point I was like, I need, I need my wife to be my wife. I don't need my wife to be my caretaker. And that's really what started to trickle, uh, trigger some of those like thoughts of I need to be independent. Like I need to do this by myself. And so it started with, like you said, it's small goals. All right, so we got small goals, right? And and it's important to have little goals because those little goals can start getting checked off. It's like a it's like a uh, it's like a list that you want to cross off, and you feel pretty good when you're starting to cross off three or four things. For me, I was like, I need to just learn how to put my socks on, and my shorts on, and my shirt on. I need to learn how to push my wheelchair around the block. I need to learn how to transfer in and out of a car by myself and drive independently. And um, I need to figure out how to calf myself so I can go hang out with my buddies and not have to worry about someone trying to, um, help me calf at when we're hanging out and things like that were small goals. And it wasn't even like towards sports yet, but it was just, can I go to the grocery store by myself? Can I, can I go, um, hop in my car and go visit my buddies in college or whatever it would be. And, and, and so that, that was like the first steps of that. And then rugby came along. From my buddy, Kyle, who was driving the boat that day, he was, he was talking to me. He's like, Joe, you know, dude, you, you should probably lose some weight. And I'm like, that's not very nice to say. (laughs) And, and he's like, well, maybe we should weigh you. And he's trying to be really nice about it in a loving way, but he's like, dude, you're fat and you need to stop being fat. Otherwise you're not going to be able to like go anywhere or do anything. It's really unhealthy. And, and so again, having those people in your life that can speak into it and, um, and and I need someone to pull me back and say, hey man, you need to figure this out. Went to it, went to the hospital, jumped on the bed. Um, it's like a a, a a scale bed or whatever. So you jump on that, and it said 283 pounds. I'm like, your your bed's broken. There's no way that I'm 283 pounds. There, your bed's ruined. And the nurse was kind enough to just, say, you know, what? let's get you back in your wheelchair and we'll zero it out again just to make sure. So we did that, and then the next time it said 284. I'm like, well, okay, I, I, I get your point, Kyle. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and that's when I first started to look for adaptive sports. Because I thought they were pathetic. I thought, like, as, you know, I mean, I was just ignorant. And I was like, oh, like, these adaptive sports are nothing. Like, who cares, like, with being in a wheelchair and, like, playing a sport. That's not going to quench my competitive desires and fires. And no way. And so I looked up wheelchair sports. And long story short, I ended up finding um, wheelchair rugby, which was called murder ball. And there was a video on it and I clicked on it. And I'm like, this thing is nuts. These people in wheelchairs <laughs> smashing into each other and rolling over their hands and all this stuff and falling over. And I'm like, these crippled people are bizarre. Um, <laughs> let's, let's let's sign up for that bad boy. Let's go find a practice. <laughs> and so we drove up from Winona, Minnesota up to Minneapolis, Minnesota, a place called Courage Center. Um, and I ended up practicing that night with them and uh it changed my life it it was being in a group of people uh and you know as an athlete when you're in a team environment when you're in that locker room some of some really good conversations can happen some brotherhood can form um it's almost like a support group for people that don't like them right like it's just an amazing um deal and like that's what i started to see like oh these guys are talking about fun stuff like sex and whatever it would be, right? Like normal locker room talk. But then it was also, Hey, Joe, you look really crippled in your chair. Let's help you out with some of this stuff. Like you don't need to look that disabled dude. And, um, and I have less function than you, Joe. So you should probably be able to do this, this and this. So it was starting to be challenging. Um, So right away, it was more rehabilitative than it was like any elite level uh, athlete type deal for me. But that first practice really changed my life and started to Make me understand that I could uh, achieve more than just being independent in a wheelchair.
1: Then you worked your way up to Team USA. How did that all happen? And when did you decide like to make that choice to to, to pursue that too? To? Because I mean, you're a competitor. It's obvious you played football. I mean, any athlete, if you're playing a sport, you're a competitor. But like, where did that decision come from? And like, I guess, how did that happen?
0: Yeah, before before I found rugby, like my biggest thing was like I need I want to walk. I want to walk. I had leg braces built. Uh, i basically straighten my legs out completely where there's no bend and tried to walk with a, uh, uh a walker and, and, and like nothing would return or come back. And like, that had been my goal. I told people about it. I'm like, I want to walk, I want to walk. I thought, man, I'm going to have this amazing story of getting out of this wheelchair and then going on and speaking and doing things and whatever it would be. And, um, And it never happened. And then wheelchair came, uh, wheelchair rugby came along. I remember watching 2008 Beijing Paralympics where wheelchair rugby won gold for Team USA. Um, And man, I was like, I want to do that. So that was when it happened in September, 2008. I was like, I want, this is a goal of mine. This is what I want to do. I told some people about it. I think it's really important when you, when you have goals, like you have to tell someone about it. Otherwise it's not a goal. It's a dream. Dreams, are, dreams are, are great, but if you're not like, it's just a dream. Maybe you tell people about your dreams too, but it's just a dream. But goals, you need accountability and you need to tell people that are close to you in your life. Otherwise, there's no accountability. and It's really easy to be like, well, that really wasn't my goal anyway. I didn't really tell anyone, you know? And so I told people and I'm like, this is what I want to do. And they're like, well, you need to stop being 285 pounds or whatever it was. And, and so I had to end, lose close to about 90 pounds over the course of three or four years, um, worked my butt off getting in front of coaches and um, athletes that knew what they were doing with the rugby. And, um, and it was a slow process. And there was, and there was setbacks. Like I made the team in 2009 at my first tryout, but then I got cut from the team that was going to the actual like big uh, tournament that year, our big competition and, and, and got cut and was devastated. But then it's like, all right, I'm going to keep going and got cut in 2010 and I'm all right. I'm going to keep working hard. I moved, from minneapolis down to phoenix to train with three of their paralympians because they're just like hey man we see potential in you you should come down here i'm like talk to april and she's like yeah let's do it and so we moved cross country like people want comfort sometimes over their over success like people are cool just Mm. being like all right well you know i know this is comforting and i can work my nine to five and i can and that's great like that's if that works for you that's great but sometimes like when you want something you're gonna have to uh, there's going to be some risks. There's going to be some opportunities where you are going to fail. Um, but like you, like, if you want something, you have to chase it, pursue it. Everyone says, you, you know, you're pursuing your g- dreams or your goals, like pursue. If you look it up in the dictionary, it talks about um, running towards, attacking towards, following after um, you're in, it's an action. It's a, you're pursuing, it's an absolute action towards something. And a lot of people go, well, if it just, like he said, if it comes along, it was, it was always wait for the opportunity. No, like the opportunity is probably already there. Um, and, and, and if you're going to wait, then you're probably gonna be too late. And, and so that's kind of what happened with that. And, and again, I think probably more so than me showing up and having a good tryout that first time, it was my response in failure, like your response and failure um, whether you play the blame game or the victor card is what defines you. It's going to define your yes. character. It's not, 100%. Yeah, yeah, man, it's not the circumstances. It's not like the things outside of your control that define you. It's your response to them. A lot of people are going, Oh, well, this happened to me and never, okay. Well, nobody cares. Like at the end of the day, like, what are you going to do at, at this? You know? And, and there's, there's times to pause and have grief and whatever it is. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be cold, but at the same time, like there's power in understanding that you have a personal responsibility towards yourself to react a certain way to failure, and that's going to define your character. Your character is your actions in life and what you do. Um, your reputation is maybe something that you build up online or whatever it would be, but your character shines through um, because of the actions that you make um, when you fell down. And so, man, like that's that's what that's what started me off on this journey, and um, it's been a, a pretty amazing r- ride uh, wearing TMSA and the red, white, and blue
1: you said something about the comfort zone that really stuck out to me. And there was a quote that I heard one time, I think it said like, no true greatness happens in the comfort zone. And that like, that's the, and those failures, they, they almost like it fueled you. It gave you more of a reason to prove people wrong. Like that's what I talked about it. I think two episodes with a guy, he just started his own business. He's like, you have all these people that tell you, no, that tell you like that tell you doubt you that. And he's like, a lot of people don't like those people, but you, you got to love those people. Because those are the people that you get to look at when you make it, because they are fueling you. And when you make it, you just go. You don't even have to say anything. You let the results speak for themselves. And it's yeah. crazy. Like you know, you go from getting cut, to getting cut, and then like you don't stop. You just keep going. Because imagine if you did stop, your story would be a lot different if you just gave up. Yeah,
0: yeah, one hundred
1: percent. But you went on. You even got yourself a bronze medal, correct?
0: Yeah. So we got the uh, the bronze in, in London, twenty twelve. I used to call it the brown poopy medal because it was the wrong color and um, it sucks So we were USA wheelchair. We was ranked um, number one from 2005 through 2012. Like maybe lost like three games that entire span. So we were heavily favored going into London and ended up choking against Canada in the semifinals. Which Canada USA and anything is literally you could play checkers and they would be a rivalry mm-hmm. and lost by one it was an amazing game where we absolutely just crapped all over the floor the first quarter we're down by eight points goals and which rugby are one at a time there's no like you know touchdown seven points whatever and which rugby it's one point at a time we're down by eight like that's a blowout after four quarters let alone first quarter fight all the way back get it tied it was going to be like the mighty ducks theme music playing and everything disney's going to make a movie about it and then we turn the ball over They score and win the game. So it was like, we call it the anti-Disney game because it was just, it was was awful. Um, Played Japan that next day and and won bronze. And nine years later, like that bronze medal represents to me um, the success that I've had. It represents, you know, the response to when something that you don't think is going to happen does happen and doesn't go your way. And then you respond to it. And like that, that, that tournament, we responded to it in 2016 um, after three years as a captain and 2014 um, best player at world uh, championships, 2012 and 2015 um, player of the year. And in 2016, I, I get cut from going to Rio. Like I had tunnel vision on gold, goal, goal, goal was going to validate me as a husband, as a father, as ev- like everything in my life was tunnel visioned on that. And as an athlete, like sometimes that, like that's good, like that's virtuous. But for me, I was, I was finding my value and my worth in uh, an outcome of what I would receive as a medal and getting cut from that team at the time was more devastating to me than or just as devastating to me than when I broke my neck. Because again, I got that athlete identity ripped away. Well, you're not a captain. You're not gonna be a two-time Paralympian. You're not gonna go to Rio. um, You don't get to finish what you had just started um, way back in December of 2008. And it was devastating, but it was also the most important fork in the road that I've had in my life as a husband, as a father, as an athlete, as a leader, as a speaker, Because through that, um, I still had to go back to training camp and have the same character and make that team better as an alternate. I had to to be a leader without the leadership title. A lot of people are waiting around for titles. Now, you don't need to wait around for a title. Like, you have your gifting inside of you already. Go and do it. Um, And so even though it it took a long, long time, I realized, like, my value and worth isn't in a medal, my value and worth is who I am as a father and who I am as a husband and who I am as um, a servant leader, who I am um, in my faith. And man, like, I think a lot of times when that, when you get punched in the face repeatedly from some stuff, you you start to believe it, that you're less than, that you're not enough, Mm -hmm. that you're a loser, that you're a failure, that you're never gonna make it. And like, we get a choice to delete those out, like swipe those away. Um, like they're an app on your phone, just swipe them out, delete them, whatever you need to do, because you don't have to believe that, Like there's another way forward. And for me, I was like, you know what, I can, let me see where I'm at inside my own four walls with my relationship with my wife and my kids. And how do how can I be a better leader this next time around? How can I be, um, you know, who God's called me to be as a speaker and realizing like, it doesn't really matter that in some ways like the 2016 thing is 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 a huge part of my it's a huge part of my story it is but it's it's like it needed to happen for me to kind of understand where i'm at and so the last five years now with tokyo being postponed has been an amazing ride and build helping build a foundation within our program helping build a rock solid marriage and, and a relationship with my kids that's number one priorities being a leader um that is serving people and, 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 and getting to know people on the team more than just like, is this person going to help me win gold? Um, and so those second chances in life are, are needed and, and, and can be pretty amazing. So heading in nine years later, um, our selection camp is coming up in a couple of weeks on May 22nd. Um, and that's what I'll like officially find out. I think I got a pretty good shot. but um, But yeah, nine years later, and you wait for that. It's a long, long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I'm a different person than I was in 2016. And um, just understand where my purpose is and where my passion is. And man, it's been beautiful. It's been really neat to be able to do that. We've, I think, throughout the years um, and because of the choices I've made, because of putting trust in my faith and in my family and friends um, supporting me, I think it's like 13 gold medals, four silver, four bronze internationally. And it's just been amazing ride where there's been some success. Um, but also just those uh, looking back, it's, it starts with a step and another step and another step. It doesn't have to be this big lofty goal right away. And that's all you're doing is, is chasing
1: that. Uh, dude. I just, I just got to say this, that to anyone listening next time that you think like, and I, I mean, this is including myself next time at one point in our life, we all sit there and we're like, you know, the world's against us or we're going through these difficult times. Next time you're going through that difficult time, think of this, like think of what he, you, what Joe is just telling us, like you've gone through all this stuff and then you have this, had this high and then you go back down and then like, then you climb your way back up. We're going to get knocked down. That goes with the the slogan of my podcast is grab the bull by the horns. Because in my opinion, life's like a bull, like a bull rider. Like you're going to get thrown down. You're going to get knocked down. But what are you going to do? Are you going to lay there and let it just walk all over you? Are you going to get up, grab the bull by the horns and take control. I know like you don't actually get up and ride a bull by grabbing a bull by the horns, but still it's besides the point. It's just the whole thing of like, you're going to get knocked down, but that doesn't like you've talked about, that doesn't define you. That's not who you are. It's what you do after that. It's your reaction to that. Your what you do to become better or stay the same. And I, man, this, your story is just, you're an inspiration. You really are it's crazy. This is just an awesome story. Oh my gosh. This is, this is a great episode. I love this episode. Probably one of my favorites by far.
0: <laughs> Thanks man. Thanks.
1: But you, uh, you also after you've also done some speaking, how did you, when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do as well, along with all this other stuff? I mean, you probably, you probably got a lot going on. I mean, you're, you're on a lot of podcasts you do some speaking and you got wheelchair rugby, like you got a lot going on. So why did you decide to get into speaking as well?
0: Yeah. So I, I did some, a lot of one-offs on, Oh, you should come speak. Cause you know, I don't know. So I call it inspirational porn. Like some people love to let's bring the wheelchair guy in so we can feel good about ourselves type sort everything. Of thing. I'm like, that's, that's not what I'm about when like they get slapped in the face because it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to take personal responsibility of your life look in the mirror and go like, you know what, where am I at? What choices am I making? Am I playing the blame game? Am I finding victory in life? Because um, a lot of people are going like, oh, well, you know, that was inspiring because um, I don't have to sit in a wheelchair like you do. Well, who cares? Um, And, and yeah, so I did some one-offs and then after, you know, Rio had happened, I was working as a, as a counselor, um, had my master's in, in professional counseling and worked in private practice for about three years including my internship and um we had moved back from phoenix back to wisconsin to live closer to family and kind of trying to figure out stuff and obviously rugby was still going but i did a speak uh i did a speech for for organic valley um, in september of 2018 and afterwards it was like the aha moment like i love doing this just as much as rugby and I had not found that in life yet. Like, I just absolutely loved being an athlete and a professional athlete and whatever, like it was amazing. And, and, and you get used to like the weird hours and training and everything like that, but it's kind of that entrepreneurial side where you can do some other stuff along with it. And I realized, wow, like I'm, I love what I'm doing with, with speaking and I get to share my story, hopefully inspire people to inspire themselves. Like, that's my whole deal. And, and you see it a lot uh, now heading up into Tokyo, but uh, I wanna share my message with as many people that will listen as possible. And so, you know, same here, jumping on your podcast, and it might be like that one person that needs to hear this, that's gonna plant a seed in them. And I never get to see if the flowers are gonna bloom up and whatever, And but I, I think it's my job is to go and spread as many seeds as possible um, in hopes that, that people's lives are changed. Um, because of it. If I can share vulnerably about some deep, dark stuff, hopefully their lives are changed because of it. And, um, and that's, I've, I've realized that's my purpose. Like rugby and playing sports is amazing. And and you've learned so much from sports. Um, But I always say, don't let the sport use you. You use the sport to platform into your next um, endeavor, whatever that is, but you're going to use that platform for your purpose. Uh, And it could be, you could think, I think it's like a small platform. It doesn't matter. Like use it um, and let, let don't let the sport use you. A lot of times athletes get turned and they get at the end of their career and they're like, now what? I'm just an athlete. I don't know what I'm doing. And so that was kind of the thing too, is before I retire, I wanted to make sure that I'm, I'm dialed in with what I want to do next. And so I've been doing full-time speaking since that end of 2018, obviously with 2020 um, speaking was set aside, uh, for a while with everything going on. Um, but I, I truly believe that's my life's purpose is to share my message and talk. I hope it makes people laugh. Um, maybe maybe make some people cry, who knows? And, uh, and hopefully they are inspired to, to go look in the mirror and and maybe do a life check and see where they're at.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like almost the goal of this podcast for me personally. So I, I connect to you on that, I mean, yours is on a little bit bigger scale, but my thing is I don't care if I get 10 views or a hundred thousand, as long as it brings some value to like at least one person, as long as it brings some value to someone, that is then my goal is fulfilled. Like I want to bring value, bring inspiration, bring motivation to somebody out there that's listening. That is my goal. And as long as it's one person, I'm good. if it's more, even better, but I just, I want my thing, like, the world we live in today is almost questionable yeah. sometimes. Like, you got all this negativity almost in this world. And yeah. I want, like, we need more positivity. We need more inspiration. We need more good things in this world instead of, like, it's hard to watch the news anymore because you turn it on and it's just everything's bad. Yeah. And we need some those good things in our lives.
0: 100%, dude. 100%.
1: Oh, man if I, I'm going to ask a few closing questions before we get into the best segment, but if you could go back in time, anytime and tell yourself one thing, what would it be?
0: Yeah. Great question. Um, I always go back to that 19 year old kid who's angry, um, at God angry at a situation, mad that this happened to him, sad, confused questions swirling around in his head. You know, with, with, am I going to find a girl? Am I going to have the kids? Am I going to go back to college? What's life going to look like in a wheelchair? I have to stick this straw looking catheter in my, you know, and, and, and those are the questions. And I go back to them and, and go, man, like you have no idea what's in store for you. If you just get in that wheelchair, a lot of times we look for the opportunity on the outside of our problems on the outside of our surroundings when the opportunity is right there within us my opportunity was that wheelchair next to my hospital bed and all i had to do was get in it i had to maybe you know take some more steps on and learn how to get dressed and learning how to do my everyday cares and, and learning how to push around the block but that led to college that led to A master's degree that led to being a Paralympian, that led to being married to uh, April and and having my three kids. And just by making that first choice of, hey, I'm going to jump in this wheelchair and I'm going to see that it's an opportunity. Um, Lately, I've realized that there's been a theme of threes in my life. And I tell myself, there's a theme of three that's going to happen. Look for those threes. At 13 years old, was the first three I, I thought i was gonna be a speaker i had no idea like why but i thought like man i'm gonna be a speaker like when everyone's like i'm gonna be a vet or a doctor i'm like i think i'm gonna be a speaker um and you know six years later i break my neck and on july 3rd 93 i got this bible verse bible verses, proverbs 3. Um, i wanted to have kids i ended up having three kids i wanted to play sports that was my passion and found a sport and i'm training for my third paralympics with three letters across my chest, USA. My goal was just to be able to play a college sport, drive a bus around in a D two school, and sometimes we don't even understand what's going to happen in, in in big ways, little ways, whatever it is. Um, but for me, that verse, trust in the Lord, don't lean on understanding. If I let, if I, if if it was my understanding, I'd be like, no way, that's like that's way too good. That's way too good. All of a sudden, man, you trust in something bigger than yourself and look at it and, and look at that 19 year old kid. I'm like, man, get ready, buckle up, get in that chair and let's go. So you, you have no idea, man, just get in that wheelchair and figure it out.
1: That's wild. The threes, like when you really start going through the list, it's like, wow, like it's crazy. Things happen for a reason that we don't understand, Yeah, but it, wow. <laughs> But now with that, I think it's time to move on to my favorite segment on the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guest to give our Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump as they listen on their Monday morning. I know you probably got something good for this segment, so let's dive into it. What do you got for Motivation Monday?
0: Motivation Monday. All right, guys. All right. So here's the deal. Like, we love looking at other people's success. We love to look at and compare ourselves. We do it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like whatever, TikTok, like anything. And we look at their numbers and we look at their followers and we look at their content and everything like that. Um, if you are in a boat where you're too scared to put something out there, you're worried about what other people are thinking, stop. Your value and your worth. Are in your likes or your followers or your numbers or your impact, your value and your worth are you being uh, faithful to what it, your passion and your purpose is in life? Sometimes we're gonna have dry seasons, sometimes we're gonna have spots where we feel like failures, but uh, every single time, choose faithfulness, choose discipline over impact, choose faithfulness over the numbers choose faithfulness and discipline over what you can't see sometimes and you're going to be successful.
1: I love that. And with that, that's great. Great way to wrap up episode 34 of the rough next podcast. The first episode of our adversity segment this month. Thank you, Joe, for coming on and being a guest. Where can people follow you on social media?
0: Yeah. Check me out uh, at J 14 on Instagram. Um, check out my website. If you ever want um, anyone, anyone, for a speaker delagrave@.com and uh yeah that's that's where i'm most active on on facebook and uh, linkedin and all that stuff too so yeah check it out
1: be sure to follow him and support him and team usa thank you for tuning in this week we will be back next monday with another episode on our adversity segment but until then you know the deal life is like a bull and will knock us down get up grab the bull by the horns just as joe has done but until next week Roughnecks out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to rate and review, and then subscribe so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. If you'd like to contact me, you can message me on social media at Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at roughneckspodc1, or you can shoot me an email at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to grab the bull by the horns, but until next week, Roughnecks out. Oh, thank you.